Thank you, Jim Gilligan, for bringing me home. So good to be home. I'm at that age now where, uh, you know, when I was a lot younger, I just hated the last part of vacation because you started thinking about going back home. And I'm at that age now where I, I start looking forward to going back home. Isn't that, uh, isn't that telling on me right there a little bit? Well, today we're going to begin a brand new series on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to talk about how uh, Thanksgiving is far, far more than food and football. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you that I love some food and some football. I love both of those, and I'm not saying those things aren't okay for you to do. They're fine for you to do, but God wants us to go far beyond that. Let's read in the Bible from the book of Psalms, chapter 107, and verses 21 and 22. Psalm 107, 21, and 22. In the King James Version, it reads this way. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And this is key. This next sentence is a key part of the uh, message that I want to share with you over the next few weeks. And let them, that is us, the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. In the paraphrase called the message, it reads this way. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Here it is again. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. We've all heard it said many times that talk is cheap. And talk is cheap. With that in mind, we often pray things like this when we say uh, our prayers to the Lord. We say, Lord, we're just so thankful. God, we're just thankful and and grateful for everything, for all that you've done. And, and that's wonderful, and we ought to pray that prayer. And that's an important thing to say when we pray. But God wants us to move beyond just talking about our thanks. He wants us to move beyond just talking about how we are filled with gratitude. He wants us to go from a holiday mentality of thanksgiving to a lifestyle of gratitude, a lifestyle of thanksgiving. That is, God desires for us to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, sacrifices of thanksgiving. If we're thankful, it ought to show in our lives. It ought not to just be something people hear us say, but it ought to show in the way we live. Thanksgiving ought to, ought to be revealed in the way we speak, in the way we talk, in the way we treat people, in the way we live our lives. There is no sin quite like the sin of an unthankful heart. William Shakespeare, I like to call him Bill, wrote these words. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. How sharper than a serpent's tooth, the fangs of a serpent. How much sharper and painful it is 
to have a thankless child than to experience the bite of a serpent. Those of you who have loved your children, those of you who have labored and invested much in the health and the lives of your children, you know, you have felt it from time to time, maybe not very much, or, or, or maybe it hasn't that been, uh, been that strong of a feeling, but you have seen times when your heart was grieved because your children did not seem to appreciate. Your children did not seem to be thankful for the sacrifices that you had made. You mothers who were sitting here literally went into the valley of the shadow of death to bring those precious little ones into this world. Many of you men who are sitting here this morning have labored hard and long to provide for your family. And I think Shakespeare was right. The blind poet John Milton said it this way. He said, every other sin is a virtue compared to the sin of ingratitude. The sin of unthankfulness. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, Paul is listing some of the most terrible, heinous sins that could be listed. He's listing them. And, and he lists witchcraft, the worship of Satan. And right after he lists witchcraft, he puts unthankfulness. That's how serious this is. That's how serious this topic is. What we're going to be talking to you about over the next few weeks. How terrible it is not to be grateful to God. Yet we see every day in our lives people who are Grumbly hateful instead of humbly grateful. What is the question this morning? How can we translate thanksgiving into thanks living? How can we translate this, this holiday into a lifestyle? And here's how we do it. Listen. By offering to God sacrifices. Sacrifices of thanksgiving. Now what right do I have to offer a sacrifice to God? Well, the, the right that, uh, that I've been given to offer sacrifices to God is that I have been proclaimed a priest. And you have been pro proclaimed a priest. Now, in the Old Testament, only the priest could offer sacrifices. But under the New Covenant, under the New Testament, we are all priests. Let me read it to you from the Bible. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, You are coming to Christ. The living stone. Christ is the living stone. Who was rejected by humans. Christ, the living stone, was rejected by humans, but was chosen as precious by God. This stone, this living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen as precious to God. Here's, listen to this, listen. Because this isn't up on the screen, so listen carefully. You come to him as living stones. You come to him as living stones and you create a spiritual house that is being built into a holy, listen, priesthood. A holy priesthood. Therefore, since you are priest and since I am priest, since we have come to Jesus Christ and received him into our heart, therefore I am a priest before him, you are a priest before him. He says, so, therefore, offer spiritual sacrifices. It's right in your Bible. 
offer spiritual sacrifices that God accepts through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have one of those little white collars. I'm not against those. I've thought about getting, getting me one of those. I love it when we have people who come to our church with a Catholic background, and I'm standing up at the front, and they refer to me as Father. I don't know whether that means I'm old or, but I think that's neat. But whether you have one of those little white collars or not, you're a priest. Whether I have one of those or not, I am a priest. Peter tells us that we are priests, and as priests, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. So I've gone through the Bible. And I have found five spiritual sacrifices that I believe God wants us to offer up to him. I believe that if we will study these five spiritual sacrifices, and I'm going to give you one of them this morning. But I believe if we will study these five spiritual sacrifices, and I believe that if we will not only study them and come to understand them, but if we will begin to practice these, offering up these sacrifices in our lives, we can turn our lives from a holiday mentality of thanksgiving to a lifestyle of thanksgiving and a lifestyle of gratitude. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to write down all five of these. Now, again, I'm going to give you just one today. And I want you to put them on a little card and put them in your Bible. And every, every once in a while, just pull that card out and evaluate your life as a Christian offering thanksgiving. I'm going to do this, and I challenge you to do it. I want you to ask yourself, am I continually, not just in November toward the end of the month, but am I continually offering to the Lord five spiritual sacrifices of thanksgiving? Talk, uh, talk is cheap, so let's stop talking about thanksgiving, and let's start living a life of thanksgiving every day. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, you're thinking oh, pastor, we have a big time at our house on Thanksgiving. We eat a lot of food and watch a lot of football. And again, that's all right. But you know, I don't even have to tell you, God wants your expression of Thanksgiving to go far, far beyond that Thanksgiving day. So let's look at them. Five spiritual sacrifices. Number one, the sacrifice of your person. The sacrifice of your person. Now, I'm going to read to you a very familiar passage of Scripture. And there is a danger in reading familiar passages of Scripture. We begin to look at familiar verses and familiar passages and familiar phrases in the Bible. We begin to look at them as cliches. We begin to, uh, when we begin to hear a verse that we've heard a lot or that we've memorized at some point in our life, we don't really listen to it. So I'm going to ask you today to really listen to this very familiar passage of Scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. So Paul is saying, I urge you, brethren. So he's talking to us, isn't he? He's talking to believers, those who have come to Christ. By the mercies of God. And I'll talk to you about what that means. To Here's the first sacrifice. To present... Your bodies, to present your person, to present yourself 
a living, not dead, y'all glad about that? A living, (laughs) holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me just say something right there. That is a prayer that I pray over my youngest son every day. Because that's what my son needs. I have a son named Mitch. And you all who have been coming here any time know you know Mitch. Mitch battles addiction. And Mitch is at Teen Challenge in Memphis, Tennessee being ministered to. And what Mitch needs and what every one of you need who battle addiction, whether your addiction is food. Didn't know I was going to mention that one, did you? <clears throat> whether your addiction is pornography or alcohol, or drugs, or whatever your addiction is. What you need God to do in your life, what you need to allow God to do, open up yourself for God to do, is bring about a transformation of your thinking, of your mind. And the people said, And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. All the way through this series of messages, we're going to be talking about the word sacrifice. And the very first sacrifice of thanksgiving that we're going to offer God is what we call a living sacrifice, which is your body, your person. Now why? What is the reason that we would do this? Why should I Offer my body to God. What is the reason I should offer my body to God? Notice what Paul says here. Everybody with me this morning? Give me a little amen out there. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I beseech or I urge you, brethren. You know what? It's like Paul is on his knees in front of you pleading with you to offer this sacrifice to God. Notice it. It's like Paul is praying to us. Think about that. It's like Paul is praying to us and saying, I pray to you. I beg you. I beseech you. I urge you. Please offer yourself. Offer your body as a living, thanksgiving sacrifice unto God. Even though Paul is the writer here, we know that we are reading from a book that is called the Holy Bible, the Word of God. So if it is the Word of God, then who is it actually speaking to us here? It's really not Paul at all, but it is God speaking to us. And Paul is writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is not the words of Paul. It is really the words of God. God says to us, I urge you, I beseech you to offer yourself to me. You know, we talk about praying to God, and and I'm going to be doing a series on prayer in the new year. And we have a fast coming up. We're going to be calling on you to fast in January. And we have a a tremendous seminar. Uh, Elijah House Ministries is coming to do a seminar here. It's all in your worship program. And that will be, so that'll be in January. There's going to be a huge emphasis on prayer and us praying to God. And we know that prayer is is a basic 
Prayer is a staple of the Christian life. And so we know prayer is important, but I want you to understand that what I'm talking about here is not so much us praying to God, but we're talking here about God praying to us. You say, well, pastor, can we even say that? Listen, I'm just showing you what the Bible says. This is Paul writing under the inspiration of God, and look what God is saying. I urge you. God is saying to us here at Whitley Church this morning, I beseech you, I plead with you, I pray to you that you would offer your bodies to me as an act of worship, as an act, listen, listen, of thanksgiving. You want to say thank you to God? Then stop running from him and give him your life. I want you to imagine something unthinkable. What if the Lord Jesus himself were to come into this room right now? The first thing I'd do is go, but what if he walked into this room right now? What if he looked out and we'd all just be, you know, Wild-eyed. And then he stepped down. And what if he chose you and took you by the hand and walked you up here on this stage? And what if he asked you to stand right here? And then what if Jesus got on his knees in front of you and folded his hands under his chin and said to you from a position of prayer, I plead with you. I beseech you. I beg you. As a sacrifice of thanksgiving to me, would you give me your whole life? Give me your whole life. Would you do it? I mean, if the Lord Jesus Christ himself were to get on his knees in front of you, in front of this congregation, and ask you to do this, well, I want to tell you this morning that that is exactly what he's doing in this message today. Jesus has folded his hands and put them under his chin, and he is saying to you, if you want to really show me how much you're You're thankful for what I've done in your life. If you really want to express to me your gratitude for the times I've healed you and for the times I've blessed you and for the times your back was against the wall and somehow a way was made for you to get out of it, if you really want to thank me for all I've done for you, give me your person. Give me your body, a living sacrifice. Give me your life. Now, why should we do this? Why why would we say yes to that? And Paul tells us why we should say yes. Paul says, by the mercies of God, I beseech you. I beseech you by the mercies of God. What does that mean? By the mercies of God that you present yourself a living sacrifice. This means that you are to offer your body as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving because of the mercies he has extended to you. Based on the mercies God has extended to you, you ought to respond to that by giving him your whole life to say, thank you, God, for your mercy. 
Why should I give my body to him? Because he gave his body for me. He suffered for me. He bled for me. He died for me on the cross. When they drove those nails into his hands, his quivering heart was saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. You see, my hard heart, your hard heart, was the hammer that drove the nails into the hands and the feet of Jesus. It was for my sins he died on the cross. It was for your sins he gave his body. It was for your, listen, listen, listen. We've heard this so many times, it's going to go right over our head if we don't just stop ourselves right now and listen. He gave his body so that you would not die lost without him. He gave his body. He suffered humiliation. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, he suffered death, even the death of the cross. And the reason the writer put that in there, even the death of the cross, is because the death of the cross was so horrible, so torturous. And it says Jesus did this. He gave his body so your sins could be forgiven. He bled his blood. He died so your sins could be forgiven. Let me tell you what I discovered. I discovered after really looking at it that the first 11 chapters, listen to me right here, this is important. The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are all about the mercies of God to us. The first 11 chapters. Now the first 11 chapters are about a lot of different little things Grace and, and forgiveness and, and the blood and, and all of the sacrifice. But it's all about the mercies of God. So then when Paul gets to verse 12, he says, based on that, Paul goes through chapter 1 through 11. And by the way, Paul is in a Roman jail when he is writing this. I guess I need to go spend some time in jail because I'm telling you, Paul came up with some great stuff in jail. And Paul says, based on all of this, he takes 11 chapters to tell you about the mercy of God. And then when he gets to chapter 12, he says, based on that, based on the goodness of God, based on the mercies of God, based on the love of God, based on all God has done for you, I beseech you, I beg you. To, to say thank you to him. And the way you say thank you to him is by giving him all of your life. All of your life. Y'all remember the old hymn, Drops of Grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all. That I can give. Do you all remember when, um, <clears throat> when Samuel the prophet told Saul to totally eliminate the Amalekites? Totally eliminate them. And when Samuel came to check on Saul and to see if Saul had obeyed God, he found that Saul had not 
but that Saul had kept some of the best things for himself. And he did not even take the life of the king of the Amalekites. And I know all of this sounds so violent and horrible in our um, political correct society we live in these days. But Samuel said, Saul, I told you what you had to do. I told you what you had to do. And then Saul began to explain why he had not followed through. Here's what Saul was actually saying. I know what God said, but I came up with something a little better, I think. Listen to this. And he told Samuel what he did. And you know what Samuel said back to Saul? And we got to hear the word of the Lord on this today because we're guilty of this. Some of you sitting out here, God has told you specifically what he wants you to do. And you know what it is. But you keep offering him something instead. You keep offering, you keep saying, well, I'll tell you what, God, can't give you that. Can't give you that, but I'll tell you what I will give you. And here's what the prophet Samuel said to Saul. He said, God does not delight in your burnt offerings and sacrifices. What God delights in is your obedience. And our churches are filled with people. Who come and they give God just a little bit, just enough to make sure they got that ticket to heaven. And then they, God, you, they, you know, God, I can't give you everything. I can't give you all that stuff you're wanting. And, and, and you know, and I know the church needs me, and I know the church keeps asking me to help and serve and bless. But I, I, I can't do that. But I'll tell you what I will do, God. I'm going to put an extra 10 in the plate. How about that? See, God isn't into making deals. I'm telling you today, God wants your life. He wants all of you. So that's the reason we need to do it. Well, what's the requirement? In other words, how am I to give myself to him? You give yourself to him in two ways. Number one, you give yourself to him voluntarily and completely. You give yourself to him voluntarily and completely. Now let's look at what it means to give ourselves to God voluntarily. Nobody can offer you to God but you. We'll dedicate your little baby and you dress them up and we'll dedicate them and we'll do a pub. But your, that little baby will grow to a point in his or her life where they have to decide if they're going to walk that path. Actually, the dedication is not the child dedicating. It is you as a parent, as an influencer in that child's life, dedicating yourself to do everything you can to make sure that child walks toward Jesus. That's what dedication service is. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the child dedicating themselves to the Lord. They don't even know what's going on. They're wondering why they got on this big, beautiful dress they don't usually wear and why they're not in the nursery where they want to be. So nobody can make you offer yourself to God, and nobody can offer themselves in your place. I had an uncle who was a, who was a minister. A lot of you may know him, Otis Penny, who lived over in the Eureka area and pastored the Pharaoh church for years. God, God called my uncle to be a preacher, and my uncle had a very successful construction business, building houses and he was very successful, and he had a son who was named Tom, and Tom is now a pastor, 
uh, uh, in the Beulahville area, but, but my, my uncle kept hearing from God as he was hammering those nails and building those houses. God was saying, I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a pastor. And he kept trying to offer God his son. He kept saying, but God... My son Tom, he is far more educated than I and, and, and he has much more ability to speak in public than I do. And God, I don't know why you're asking me, did you forget about Tom? You cannot, you cannot have someone offer themselves in your place. And you cannot have someone volunteer for you to serve God. God wants you to do it yourself. Notice the words in the passage we read. I urge you to present your body. Not somebody else to present you or you to present somebody. But I urge you to present your body. The word present is the same word for a man joining the military voluntarily. Now you can get into the military a couple of ways and I know we don't have the draft anymore but when we did you could either go down and join the military or you could be drafted into the military and Paul here is talking about joining. He's talking about volunteering. Nobody can make you love God this much. I'm asking you, do you love him this much? Because nobody can make you love him this much. Nobody can make you appreciate God this much or be thankful to God that you would present your bodies as an act of worship, an act of thanksgiving for him. You have to do it. You have to do it yourself. Listen, you have to do it willingly. You have to do it voluntarily. You have to do it of your own accord. You must come to the Lord and say, Here, Lord, of my own free will, I present myself to you as an act of thanksgiving and worship. Have you done that? Have you done that? You say, well, I'm going to church, and and uh, I've even started coming on Wednesday night some. We worship you. You know, I've even done this, I've even done that, but are you giving him your life? Are you giving God your life? Have you, of your own choosing, just laid yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice? So that's the first way, voluntarily. What does it mean to give ourselves to him completely? Listen to this. Completely. I mean, have you done that? Have you given all of yourself to him? There's a word in the Bible, and I will jot this down. You ought to do a word study on this. It is the word wholehearted. Wholehearted. Several characters in the Bible are referred to as doing things wholeheartedly, with their whole heart. A sacrifice, I'm asking you to make yourself a sacrifice. Everybody out there with me? Do you know sacrifices don't have any plans of their own? Once an animal is chosen for a sacrifice, they don't have any more plans of their own. A sacrifice gives its life. God calls it this. He calls it dying to the old way. Now, I'm going to say something this morning, and in our culture and in our society, this is going to go against the grain. So this is going to rub a little bit the wrong way, so just get ready. God is saying that you need to die to your family. God is saying you need to die to your home that you own and live in. And possess and pay for. 
You need to die to your car. You need to die to your vacation. You need to die to your future. You need to die to your bank account. You need to die to your ambitions and just offer all of that to the Lord to use any way he wants to use it. Have you died to those things? You say, well, I'm not going to offer those things. God will take those things away from me. (laughs) i just take you all the way back to, I believe it's Luke chapter 5, where he says, if you will put me first in your life, all the things you're worried about, they'll just be added to you. So God is saying, trust me, trust me. Say to him, here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do voluntarily, completely. Now let me close with this. Give you a thought today, and I gotta tell you, when I found this, I, this so convicted me, what I'm about to share with you, so convicted me that I spent a long time with God for myself on this. I wanna I want to take this idea of giving yourself voluntarily and completely, I want to take it to a level, a deeper level, and I want us to look at the Old Testament animal sacrifices. In the Old Testament, after the sacrifice was slain, after they would slay it, they would skin it, and there were certain ways that you would take the meat and offer it to God. You can read all about this in Leviticus. You can read all about it in the Old Testament. And they would take this meat that had been skinned and was raw flesh, and they would put it on the altar... And they found out that when they would take it, have you ever held, um, some of you deer hunters out there, uh, held in your hands freshly slain meat? And I know this is kind of gross, help you with your diet. Listen, it's very slippery. So they found out that when they would lay it up on the altar to offer it to God as a sacrifice, that sometimes it would slide off the altar. So they learned to bind it to the altar. They would bind it. The Bible says in Psalm 118 and 27, bind the sacrifice to the altar, bind it. And again, the reason they bound it is because it would slide off. So they would take meat hooks. They learned to get meat hooks, a handle with a hook coming out, and they would hook it into the meat, and they would put it up on the altar, and then they would take, listen to this, they would take these decorated wreaths, like a Christmas wreath, but just to give you an idea, in our culture, what I'm talking about didn't really look like that, but it was a wreath. It was made of vines. It was decorated bands, decorated ropes, and they would tie this sacrifice to the altar. They would bind it to the altar. Now, the symbolism here is so very powerful because the sacrifice was not bound with powerful, rough ropes, but with beautiful wreaths, beautiful decorated bands. And these tender, beautiful wreaths and bands symbolized the love of God to us. And it also symbolized his gift of free will to us. Now, had he used these 
rough ropes, I believe that would have symbolized the compulsion of God the, the, uh, and eliminated the free will. It would have symbolized you're going to do this and it's not your jo- uh, choice and you can't volunteer to do it. Uh, I, I bind, but he used these beautiful reeds. I just think that's a beautiful symbolism right there. So what I'm asking you is this. Have you ever made a commitment to the Lord and then slid off the altar? Because I have. I bowed and declared and said, God, I won't do that again. I've bowed and declared and said, Lord, from now on, I'm going to do this every day. And and God, I promise I'm not going to ever get slack in that area again. And and God, I promise that you can count on me. And then I would just slide off the altar. Carelessness and human desires, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the eyes, pride of life. You see, we need to be bound to the altar. We need to be bound to the altar. If we're going to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving, we must be bound to the altar. We must be bound. Now, the priest used cords, beautiful decorated cords, to show the love and the free will of God to us. He used wreaths and bands to bind the sacrifice to the altar so it would not slip up. So, so it would not slip off. So what is it that keeps us on the altar? What is it that keeps us from sliding off the altar? And some of you here this morning have been on the altar, but you've slid off. There are two things that keep us bound to the altar. Let me give you these two things very quickly. Devotion. And devotion is your love for Jesus. Everybody say devotion. My love for Jesus. And the second chord is discipline, my loyalty to Jesus. Say this, discipline, my loyalty to Jesus. We stay committed because we love him. We stay on the altar because we love him. We stay on the altar because we're devoted to him. But that devotion sometimes gets weak. And so that's when the discipline kicks in. Is anybody hearing me out there? This walk of God is not one of constant emotions that keep you on top of the world all the time. And the people said, amen to that. So how do we stay when when, when our devotion, I mean, I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? I love Jesus. I love him. I love him. When I think about him and hear songs about him and hear preaching about him, Millie and I were on vacation and we would run across a a sermon or we would run across a a Christian station and we would listen and immediately as I would listen, I would just begin to well up. The reason I well up when I hear it and, and the reason you become emotional when you hear it is because we love Jesus. We're devoted to Jesus. We're devoted to him. But here is where we need that extra cord of loyalty to Jesus when the feeling isn't there. 
When the emotion isn't there, we remain loyal. Devotion and discipline, love and loyalty. One is not a substitute for the the other. You have to have both of them. Discipline without devotion becomes a bondage. It becomes a a ball and chain around your neck. And And you become this person who serves God out of sheer willpower. That won't work either. But when you take devotion, your love for Jesus, and you take discipline, your loyalty to Jesus, and you let him bind you with those beautiful wreaths and those beautiful cords and those beautiful bands to his altar, then you will not slip off. You will stay on that altar. People are, (laughs) it's just so funny. You know, in order for us to have the church we have here at Willie Church, it just takes so many volunteers. It just takes so many people volunteering. It takes so many people saying, I'll serve, I'll, I'll volunteer, I'll give, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then we back away and we quit and we give up and somebody criticizes us or or, or somebody, you know, doesn't act in a Christian way about something. And so we go, I'll just quit. I'll just quit. See, that's where that loyalty has to kick in. And then you just remember all Jesus went through, yet he stayed on the cross. All that Jesus, all the humiliation, all the humiliation, all the mockery, the stripes on his back. You talk about injustice. You talk about being treated unfairly. You talk about inconvenience. You talk about fa- uh, a pain. When you, when you feel like quitting, when you feel like throwing your hands in the air, remember he didn't throw his hands in the air when you needed him most. Devotion, love for Jesus, discipline. Here's where the discipline kicks in. That's that loyalty. People say to me, well, the reason I don't do it, I just don't believe in making a commitment. And these same people are married. That's a pretty big commitment right there. They say, I I don't believe in making a commitment, but they have a mortgage on their house. They say, I don't, I'm not going to make any kind of commitment, but they got a car payment. Here's what they're saying. They're saying they believe in making commitments, but what they mean is they believe in making commitments to everybody but Jesus. We treat the church and we treat the works of God and the ministry of the church like a secondary thing. And we got all these other things going on in our life. And if I have time for the church... If I have time to serve, then maybe I will, but I'm not making any kind of commitment. It doesn't matter whether it's Whitley Church or the Methodist Church down the road or the Baptist Church down the road that way. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about you saying, Jesus, in order for me to express myself in thanksgiving to you the way I know you want me to, the first sacrifice I offer to say to show, to display, to, listen, listen, to demonstrate, to demonstrate my thanksgiving is by offering you myself and making you first in my life. And then if I've got time for other stuff, then I'll bring that in. But Lord, you're first. And when you do that, it is well-pleasing to God for it is a sacrifice based on love, 
and a sacrifice based on loyalty. It is a sacrifice made voluntarily and a sacrifice made completely. Wholehearted. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this message today. God, I'm pointing no fingers today. I'm pointing no fingers because I I have come under great conviction from this message. So God, I'm not pointing, I'm just, I just brought the word of God today and the folks can do with this what they want to do with it. This is not Farrell Hardison's sermon. This is not Farrell Hardison's message. Lord, I've had to repent. I, the pastor of this church, have had to repent because of this message today. Am I thankful? I can eat a big meal in a few days and I can watch some football, but it's a lot more than that. Help me to offer all five of these spiritual sacrifices. And the first one is my life. I offer you my person, myself. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, if you would like to have prayer, or if you have any questions about the message, we hope you'll come up. I'll stand here for a while. Also, those of you who are guests, you're visiting, pick up your gift and information bag before you go home. Don't forget the announcements this Friday night. We're going to have a great time of fun. Make sure you come on out this Friday night. Get your Christmas card as you're leaving. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here at Whitley Church today.